Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 71, Love Your Imperfections. It's October 27th, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, etc. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is very difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moskovich. love your imperfections. Well, this is not what most people do. No, they don't love their imperfections. They try to hide them, cover them up. They think that people can't see them. And spoiler alert, more people can see your imperfections than not. So hiding them is probably not that effective. Anyway, I hope you're going to keep an open mind to this podcast because it's very powerful to be able to embrace and love your imperfections, and it's possible. So let's get going. What am I going to cover today? Well, I'm going to cover some uh, aspects of imperfections, uh, talk about hiding your imperfections, why people don't love their imperfections, give you a couple of the top benefits to embracing and loving your imperfections, what happens when you do embrace them, the role of dysfunctional families and the role of low self-esteem, I'm going to talk about expectations, judgments, and mistakes, the role of emotional intelligence, end of your mind, being well-loved, focusing on happiness. I'm going to give you some suggestions to help you get on the road to embracing and loving your imperfections in addition to what I'm covering in in front of that. Some takeaways and a call to action. Now, if you happen to be new to my content, Uh, I hope you're going to visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com to enter my current giveaway. Well, currently I have two, but one will be ending soon. But I tend to do things that make me happy. (laughs) Yes, I do things that make me happy. And giveaways make me happy. I mean, I didn't know that when I started, but they're really fun. So I'm continuing to do it. And the current giveaway that's going to go on until I run out of supplies is a gluten-free and allergy-free cookbook current and add a print one and some aprons so that's what you can win all right next up this is very important and this is my disclaimer i am not a therapist or medical health care professional in any capacity and you as a consumer should always get your therapy advice or your medical advice from a licensed health care provider that's how that should go and i'm not that The next piece of this is if you are suicidal or you're thinking of harming yourself or you've been feeling hopeless or life is too hard, I'm asking you to take some action and get in action actually and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. What I'm asking you is to tell people and to talk about it because it will get better and there is help available. There's actually a good amount of help available. Uh, 
and it might not be from the people that you would hope would help you or you want to help you or you expect to help you. Who cares? If you need help, ask for it and take it. All right. Now, I want to talk for a moment about imperfections. So what do I mean by imperfections? Well, we're going to start with what do I mean? What does it mean to be perfect? Because imperfections is not perfect. Well, the dictionary definition of being perfect is being entirely without fault or defect, flawless, satisfying all the requirements, proficient and expert are other defining characteristics of being perfect. So be imperfections then are not being perfect. They're blemishes, defects, flaws. And while we're talking about embracing and loving your imperfections, this is the perfect point at which I want to mention perfectionism and people who strive to be perfect. If you're striving to be perfect, first of all, that's exhausting. I'm going to talk about some of the sources or where that's rooted later on. But not only is perfectionism or striving to be perfect exhausting, it contributes, we know this from the research, from the medical research, it contributes to increased anxiety, depression, stress, and unhappiness. So you can go ahead and continue on your path of being, being perfect and being a perfectionist. I just don't recommend it. And it's probably rooted deeply in your childhood. Here's the other thing about perfectionists. People, people don't like that. People don't like that because they feel like they're never going to measure up to your standards. And quite frankly, many times other people don't measure up to your perfectionist standards. So it doesn't help you in life. I mean, it's, it's a strategy you probably adopted, but you don't have to keep it. So that's that about imperfections. So I want to talk about hiding your imperfections. Well, first of all, I've got news for you. Okay, you think you're hiding them, but you're probably not. Probably more people are aware of your flaws and your imperfections than you would like to know. I mean, I just hate to break it to you, but they're probably not a secret. I mean, probably not. And, and partially, you may not recognize that because you might not have high self-awareness. And that's, that's helpful. But I mean, I know as a young, very young person, I was told, oh, you know, you know what's wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's wrong with me? And they proceeded to tell me that one of the things that was wrong with me was I was too trusting. So they were pointing that out as an imperfection and a defect. Well, the reality is I am too, tr I am too trusting. Yes. <laughs> took me a long time to see that. However, I, I embrace my imperfections and I actually appreciate that. Now, I do take steps to counterbalance that because otherwise I can be exploited and used by people but it's actually something that I appreciate about myself. So here's the thing, like you have these things that are not perfect about yourself and other people probably know them. They probably could list them better than you can list them because you might not be self-aware. So hiding them and denying them is not powerful and it's, there's no authenticity about it if people can see them anyway. So that's a good reason to start loving and embracing them because they're really not hidden. 
I mean, I know that's a shocker for some of you, but you know, it's, it's the way it is. So own it and claim it. That's my recommendation because there are rich rewards, which I'm going to cover. So why is it that people hide their imperfections or they don't embrace or love them? Well, I've got a few, I've got a few reasons. I've got a few ideas on that. So, um, you don't, number one, you don't realize that people see them anyway. So you're hiding them because you don't realize they're in plain sight. You have low self-esteem. You are trying to be perfect. You are not self-aware. It's a pattern you learned when you were young. You want to be loved, accepted, and admired. You engage in negative thinking, ruminating, catastrophizing, overthinking, brooding. You fear people won't love you. You have a cognitive distortion. You are ashamed or embarrassed by how you are as a human being with your imperfections. Your ego or pride is too high. You view your imperfections as weaknesses and flaws instead of something to appreciate. You are not taking care of yourself. You have not tamed your inner critic. You struggle with depression, anxiety, and other difficult emotions. You are superficial or shallow and haven't developed depth to your personality, to your person. You have low emotional abilities. You have not been well loved up till now in life. You are a perfectionist and you don't know how to be happy and laugh at yourself and enjoy life. So that's 20 common reasons why people don't embrace or love their imperfections. It's by the way, this is extremely common. This is how most people live. They deny their imperfections. They try to hide them. They're upset with themselves because they have them and it's, it's just not powerful. So what are the power? What are the powerful benefits of loving your imperfections? Well, number one, it feels better. It feels way better to be able to appreciate how you are. Like, yeah, I know I'm too trusting and I know I look at the world through rose colored glasses. Trust me, I'm well aware of that. And I did try to, I did try to remove the rose colored glasses some, some years ago and that did not go well. It's part of how I'm organized. And yes, that means I have to take steps to counterbalance that and to, to protect myself, but it allows me to be vulnerable and deeply connected with people. And I appreciate that. So it feels better. Next, it's very freeing. It's very freeing because you can be authentic with people. It's powerful. It gives you much more compassion for other people. It's better for your mental health. Oh, it's way better for your mental health. It's an important and positive role model for children and other people in your life. Uh, it makes you more real and authentic, which is, ma which is magnetic. People love it when you're authentic and real. They just eat it up. It's a sign you've grown and developed as a person. It's a more attractive quality, as I mentioned, and it's going to help you be happier. So aren't those amazing things? Yes. Listen, it's very rich in life to be able to be your authentic, real self and have people love and appreciate you, even though you're not perfect. I mean, I'm just not a fan of perfectionism, as you can as you can tell, although you're welcome to keep that if that's what you want to do. So I want to talk for a moment about what actually happens when you embrace your imperfections. Well, number one, so I'm going to talk, I'm going to be 
very vulnerable and share that years ago, many years ago, I realized that my top imperfections at the time were that I could be righteous, judgmental, arrogant, opinionated, and a know-it-all. I know. Let me say that again. Righteous, judgmental, arrogant, opinionated, and a know-it-all. Oh, that was that was a painful that was a painful moment. <laughs> it was. But then I thought, wow, okay, because of course I kind of take that approach in life when I learn something about myself I go oh woohoo how about that now let's get going so I began the work to embrace that that's who I could be that's how I how I was sometimes or however often and what happened well the more you own and claim your imperfections the less they own you so the more you own being arrogant, righteous, judgmental, judgmental, opinionated, and know-it-all, or not trusting, or not vulnerable, or whatever it is, the more you own that, the less it has you. So years later, years after I had really just embraced, yep, that's that's definitely part of part of me. I gave an icebreaker speech in the Toastmasters Club I was in, which was the good, the bad, and the ugly about Lisa Lundy. And this was not intended, by the way, to be a funny speech. It was not intended to be humorous, really, in any way. It was just kind of a factual about the fact that I used to be ugly and, you know, all the not-so-attractive characteristics, my imperfections, and then the good things about me. That was the nature of my speech. Well, I'm giving this speech, and the club members are roaring. They were in hysterics. And I'm giving my first speech in front of a club, and I was just kind of, I kept talking. I mean, I'm, I've been a public speaker for a long time, so that didn't throw me off my game. But I was just mesmerized by the fact that I couldn't understand what they were laughing at. There was nothing intended to be funny about my speech. So I just kept going through the speech, but it was this nagging thing, like, what is so funny? Anyway. At the end of the speech, you know, after the after the meeting was over, I talked to some people who came up to me. They came running up to me, and they were like, oh, my God, you're hysterical. And the first guy said, oh, well, thank you for bringing that up, but what the heck were you laughing at? Like, what was so funny? And he looked at me, and he said, well, you can't possibly expect us to believe that you're righteous, judgmental, arrogant, and all those things you said. There's, there's no way. You're not that. That was hysterical. I said, oh, no, no, I am that. I, I do have those. That's part of me. And we went back and forth. And then I talked to some other club members, and that's what they were laughing at. They thought I was actually being facetious, and, and so it occurred to them as being funny. So that was kind of like an aha moment for me, like, wow, I set to work to embrace these not attractive traits in myself, and then people didn't actually believe that I had those traits. Well, I still have those traits. I, I still have those the capacity to be that. Trust me, I do. But the more you own and embrace and love, your imperfections, they're not going to have the same hold on you. Now, it could be painful for some of you. I mean, it's a little like ouch moment. And by the way, those traits 
are very common in society. You don't have to look very far. You know people who have those traits. You might even have them yourself. But owning and claiming your imperfections is the first step to freedom, and it's and it's a very freeing path. And I didn't know that was going to happen when I set a bar set on embracing. So you're either going to own and have your imperfections and embrace them and love them, or they're going to have you. They're going to have you hook, line, and sinker. Next, I want to talk about the role of dysfunctional families relative to your imperfections. So we don't typically talk about the prevalence or the impact of dysfunctional families. And yet, we clearly should be, in my opinion. So according to the research, dysfunctional families in America account for between 70 and 96% of American families. So that's most families, not every family. And there's different levels of dysfunction. So what happens in childhood when you're in a dysfunctional family is sometimes you learn patterns or you're conditioned by by the family dynamic or by how you're treated or by the, the conditions. And oftentimes that's neglect or absence of love and absence of affection. So children will try to strive to be perfect so they can win their parents' love and affection. So it's a coping mechanism many children learn in childhood as a way to kind of win their parents' love and affection. Now it's done like through excelling in academics or being, you know, a star athlete or being involved in any number of things. And it can be done in a negative way too. Sometimes uh, young people will get involved in drugs or other addictions, alcohol, as a way to get attention. So as a child, it's not a bad strategy to try to excel or, you know, be a really good child so you'll get love and affection. It's just that that's not why you're not getting it. You're not getting it. You didn't get it because your parents weren't capable capable of, of giving that to you. Or they withheld it because they had some issues. So oftentimes, people's inability to embrace their imperfections stems from their childhood and strategies and coping mechanisms that they develop to get through their childhood. But you don't have to keep those. You're an adult now and you can choose new behaviors. You can learn new things. You can develop new habits and practices. You don't have, you're not stuck with whatever you, uh, however you organized yourself as a child. I mean, and sometimes people excel or become overachievers simply to be away from their <laughs> be away from their family like it's an escape to not have to be in their family so they go do athletics or activities or you know academics or whatnot as as an avoidance technique but in any case it's really uh, important for you to understand that is hopefully you're going to bring some compassion to yourself that you as a child were not responsible for your family of origin dynamics and it's extremely likely, it's almost totally predictable that 
love, affection, or other affirming behaviors were present. It's most it's predictable they were absent. And so this is part of what there is to embrace. And it's a big source for why people can't, can't or won't embrace their imperfections. Next, I want to talk about the low, role of low self-esteem, which is often sourced, as you can imagine, by dysfunctional families. Now, according to the research, 85% of the population in the world suffers from low self-esteem. Well, let's look at how those numbers marry up with, in America at least, the prevalence of dysfunctional families. Well, 70 to 96%. So 85% of the population, at least in America, ending up with low self-esteem. You can see where that might, they, they, they marry. They're like the perfect match. So, you know, when love is absent, when affection is absent, when, you know, Children are treated poorly, whether it's through neglect or abuse, maltreatment, or any number of things. Kids will feel bad about themselves, and then they develop low self-esteem. Now, so it's not your fault. However, you're an adult now, so you can do something about it. Low self-esteem is not a lifelong sentence. It's only a lifelong sentence if you do nothing about it. Now, self-esteem is not something you grow per se. You don't work on self-esteem. You do other activities that actually build, nurture, and grow self-esteem. So you want to be happy and you want to be healthy. I mean, don't you? Yes, of course you do. Low self-esteem, first of all, it doesn't feel good and it's not good for you, and it's a very unattractive quality for other people. Because other, pe- other people can hear you when you beat yourself up. When you say, oh, I'm such a loser, I should have blah, 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 or I, oh, I'm an idiot. You know, like, people don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that. It's not pleasant. It's actually painful. So you can build your self-esteem, and I want you to put that on your list if you're open to it, and understand Look, you can just see the perfect swirl of how this could be, how you could have ended up with low self-esteem. Next, I want to talk about judgments, mistakes, and expectations. This is a kind of the playground of looking at your imperfections. So are you the kind of person that you expect yourself to be perfect? Do you expect other people to be perfect? Do you judge other people? Are you frequently let down or disappointed by other people? Do you blame other people? You know, are you always right? Are other people always wrong? Can you admit it when you made a mistake? Can you say, I was wrong, I'm sorry, I apologize. I made a mistake. Do you you make agreements with people in your family or work or wherever, and then when it doesn't go your way, change your agreement and blame the other people. I mean, there's this is the playground for looking at yourself. It's one of the playgrounds. There are, there are, there are plenty of playgrounds, but this is one of them. Looking at, you know, how do you expect people to behave? What are your expectations of other people? And what's your relationship to making mistakes? Do you make them? How often? And judgments. You know, how do you judge yourself? How do you judge other people? So this is a playground. It's worth looking at. Next, I want to talk about the role of emotional intelligence in embracing and loving your imperfections. So first of all, we talked about low um, self-esteem and dysfunctional families. Well, one of the things that's 
almost always missing in dysfunctional families is high emotional intelligence. It's, it's the thing that's missing in most parts of the world and for more people than not. So when you have high emotional intelligence, you're going to be able to embrace and love your imperfections because you're not expecting yourself to be perfect. You have self-awareness so you can look at yourself authentically through a valid and true lens and make assessments, make self-assessments. So there are five components for emotional intelligence. Self-awareness is the first one, and it's the it's kind of like the jumping off point. You know, you can't really go anywhere else if you're not self-aware. Self-awareness, self-regulation, self-management, empathy, motivation, and social skills. Those are the five areas. Now, someone can have very high social skills and have some empathy or a lot of empathy and have like very low emotional intelligence because they're not self-aware. So you can have social skills and not be self-aware. So when people are struggling to embrace their imperfections and love their imperfections, Emotional intelligence, growing your emotions, is going to be extremely helpful. It's really helpful all in every area of life, to be frank. So, like going back to my, going back to my wonderful example of being arrogant, righteous, judgmental, know-it-all, you know, all that stuff. Like, do you think that I was happy about that? Well, of course I wasn't happy about that. I wasn't like, woohoo, but I was like, woohoo, look what I can see about myself. It was like, woohoo, oh my gosh, it was a, it was an opening for action and it was a cause for celebration. Not that I was happy that I, that I have those characteristics. No, no, that's not something that's going to make me happy. But what made me happy was the identification and the realization that that was part of who I am. It's still part of who I am, by the way. It's just not a part that runs my life. It's just kind of faded away to the background and occasionally it'll pop up. So emotional intelligence is going to help you in every area of life because you want to be able to regulate your emotions. You want to be able to flip the switch on your emotions and be in the driver's seat. So, and it's typically not something you would have learned in your childhood. Given the level and prevalence of dysfunctional families, it's not something most children are going to learn. So your emotions, however, can be your superpower if you learn how to use them. So I have plenty of podcasts that will help you with that, but you're either going to get in the driver's seat and have emotions be your superpower, or you're going to be at the whim of your emotions. And you don't want to be at the whim of your emotions. You don't want to be at the whim of other people. You don't want to be at the whim of life. You want to have some control in your life. So that's emotional intelligence. Now the next piece in this whole uh, subject of embracing and loving your imperfections is the role of your mind. Now, this is very fascinating to me. I know, I think a lot of things are fascinating because I have a high level of curiosity about people in life and, you know, like, kind of like a childlike wonder, which is something about me that annoys some people. And some people would say it's one of my imperfections that I have this childlike wonder about life. I happen to, I happen to enjoy it. 
it's kind of fun to be able to be like a kid and go, oh my God, look at this. Oh yeah. Okay. My kids might really be annoyed by that. But anyway, so you can, through various techniques over time, learn how to control your mind. And for some of you, this is kind of like a mind blowing and novel idea that you could you know, garner control or, or get control of your thoughts and your mind. I know how mind blowing that is for some of you because I work with people and I've been working with people forever. So for some people, this idea or this process of controlling your mind, it's, it's like a swirling vortex because here's what happens or here's where some of you are. So I mean, I, and I do mean like swirling vortex to me is the perfect analogy because so let's say for starters, you have low emotional abilities. Well, we know that's statistically very, very likely. So you have low emotional abilities to start with. So you can't like, you're not, you're at the whim of your emotions. You don't know how to manage and control them. And then of course, we know 85% of the people have low self-esteem, so we're going to pile on. We're going to start with low emotional abilities, and we're going to pile on with low self-esteem, and then we're going to add brooding, ruminations, negative thinking, catastrophizing, overthinking, worrying, anxiety. You know, that's like all part, typically, of low self-esteem and low emotional abilities. And then we're going to add on, like we're just going to keep piling on because this is the swirling vortex. Then we have your childhood wounds and wounds from your adult life that haven't been healed and color how you look at life. And then there's disempowering attitudes and beliefs, which kind of seals the deal. So you have all of those things going on. Of course, you might not believe that you could master that. Like it would be reasonable if you didn't think, oh, I, you can't learn how to do that. Well, if you think you can't learn how to do anything, guess what? You won't. If you think you can't do something, you won't. You know, there's a power of intention and a power of belief. And we know from neuroplasticity of the brain, a, a very rich field of science that I love, that you can teach an old dog new tricks and anybody can learn uh, new things and develop new uh, behaviors, new patterns, new habits, new practices. We know that from the research. So if you're going to say, I could never learn to control my mind and my thoughts, well, then you won't. You just won't. So don't bother. You have to have the right attitude. I mean, like nobody says, oh, I can't, I can't lose 100 pounds, so I won't try. Well, that's what they say. I can't lose 100 pounds, so I won't try. But someone else says, you know what? I've been overweight my whole life, but I'm going to lose a hundred pounds. And then when I lose, it, I'm going to keep it off. And guess what? They do exactly that. So you can learn new things and you can learn to control your mind, your emotions, and your thoughts. And that, by the way, is the topic of one of my, uh, upcoming podcasts that will be out very soon. Next, I have to mention this because it will be helpful to you. And that is to be well loved. Well, I did a video for my YouTube channel called Be Well Loved, and then I was talking to people about it after the fact, and I was really heartbroken and quite devastated to hear that the majority of people I talked to, that means not everyone, but almost everyone, felt like they had not been well loved in their life up until now. 
So, of course, if you don't feel love and you don't feel well loved, how good could you possibly feel? You probably don't feel good. You feel like nobody loves you. Which, by the way, could be sourcing a lot of suicides. And sometimes people will have love in their life but they can't like let it in and feel it and sometimes people put roadblocks up for life but I'm talking about be well loved I'm talking about be well loved like the velveteen rabbit it doesn't have to be romantic love although romantic love is phenomenal I'm, I'm hoping that like shows up very soon so being well loved is going to go a long way to helping you like yourself and then love yourself and then embrace and love your imperfections. So you want to be like the Velveteen Rabbit. It's a great childhood story. If you're not familiar with, familiar with it, go get it, read it, make it your little mantra. Or you can be like the, the China doll or one of the other toys in the story that never gets played with and sits on the shelf. No, I think you'd rather like... Have like life and be used up and enjoy life fully. All right. My next topic is to focus on happiness. Why? Well, because happiness has beyond exceptional and powerful benefits. If you focus, put your focus on happiness, that's going to help you, A, build self-esteem. It's going to help you grow emotional abilities. And it's going to help you rewire your brain for happiness. You're certainly going to feel better. And, you know, it's going to help you grow your capacity for embracing and loving your imperfections, which, of course, is the topic of the day. So here's what happens when I work with people on happiness is they'll say, I don't I have no idea what makes me happy. It's been so long since I've really been happy, I, I don't know where to begin. And that's normal. That's typical. We're not walking around in society saying, hey, here, here's my happiness list. What's on your happiness list? We're, not, we're just not talking that way. So if you don't know what makes you happy, that's perfectly fine. But you're going to go exploring to figure it out because Anyone who's committed to figuring out what makes them happy will ultimately be successful and figure out what makes them happy. You might have to try new things. You know, like, I don't know what it's going to take for you, but I know that everyone who's committed eventually gets there. And, by the way, what almost always shows up while you're exploring or figuring out what makes you happy is all the things that make you unhappy. Well, guess what? That's very, very helpful. You want to know what makes you unhappy because those are the things you want to avoid or stop doing or keep out of your life or what have you. I mean, I know what makes me happy and I know what makes me unhappy. And I avoid the things that make me unhappy because I am wired for happiness. And by the way, your brain is... It's, it, the brain is amazing. The brain is very fascinating. But happiness is addictive. And if you start flipping the switch on your emotions every time you're unhappy, that's what I call it, flipping the switch on your emotions. Every time you notice you're sad, you're blue, you're unhappy, you're upset, you're angry, you're, you know, not in a good mood, then you go take an intentional action designed to elevate your mood, boost your spirits, 
and it could be a 10 minute walk. It could be, you know, saying prayers for 10 minutes. It could be calling a friend or texting someone saying, Hey, I need to pick me up, you know, tell me something good. You take an intentional action every time you catch yourself being upset, angry, you know, sad, you know, hurt, whatever. And your brain is going to adopt that pattern. And your brain is going to want to go do that when it catches you getting upset. Because your brain likes to feel good. Your brain likes it when you're happy. Your body likes it when you're happy. You actually like it when you're happy. And other people like it when you're happy. So happiness is really something you want to shoot for, put on your list, make it a priority, and sprinkle your day and your life with things that make you happy. That is going to definitely, absolutely help you on the road to loving and embracing your imperfections. Okay, so I've given you some suggestions up till now, and I'm going to wrap it up by giving you, <laughs> giving you a few more. I know. Well, you could feel overwhelmed, but here's the thing. You have so many different choices. Isn't that exciting? It's exciting to have choices. So my first additional suggestion is that you call a timeout. Take today, take this moment after you listen to the podcast and take call a timeout. Be introspective and think about your life. What's missing? What would make a difference? What would make your heart sing? What would make you happy? Like, what is your heart's desire? That's the thing. People don't pause to consider. So I'm asking you to call a timeout and think about that. Secondly, I'm asking you to make a commitment to take a journey to happiness. Well, you know, for some people, the only thing that's missing is having the love of their life. Okay, fine. If that's it for you, go get them or go find them. You know, for some people, it's just changing jobs or moving or cleaning up their house or doing something else. So go do it. But put yourself on a journey, on an odyssey, on a trek, on a quest to happiness. Because on the way, you'll get yourself sorted out, you'll learn new things, you'll grow new abilities, and you will feel amazing. So the next thing I recommend is to take people with you. Listen, we live in a, in a time when more people are unhappy than happy. So if you're going to get on the journeyness to embrace your perfections and go to and find happiness and have happiness permeate your life, why would you not want to take people with you? I don't know. But take people with you and make it fun. You can have parties, you can have celebrations, you can name your team, you can even have, you know, different characters from a movie or a book or something. I mean, like, you could make it wildly fun. And I'm a fan of fun because life is too hard. Life is just too hard not to have fun and be playful. And by the way, I have a whole podcast about having fun and being playful, which, you know, might be helpful. So you're going to build a team, you're going to make it wildly fun, and you're going to start making plans. Like, you know, when you called your time out and you were introspective and you thought, hmm, you know, the only thing that's missing from my life is a great life partner, or the only thing missing from my life is I need some new uh, friends, I need a new posse, or, you know, whatever it is, start making plans for that. What are you going to need? What are you going to have to do? You know, start making Plans and set some goals and start taking actions. We know from the research that setting goals 
and then taking actions towards those goals helps people be happier. I highly recommend you implement a reward system. I'm a big fan of that. I have a Newsweek article about that on the if you go to my profile on Newsweek expert on the Newsweek expert forum, you'll see all my quotes and all the articles I've written, but there's one about leveling up like gamers do. Definitely have a reward system because a, life is hard and rewards are fun. B, change is something people avoid and we're talking about change. So get a reward system. Next, you've got to be able to see it, feel it, and believe that it will happen. That's true for anything in life. And that takes advantage, by the way, of the self-fulfilling prophecy. But you want to have positive and very strong emotions towards whatever you're up to. Hopefully you're up to happiness. Hopefully you're up to, you know, loving and embracing your imperfections and everything that's involved, you know, building your self-esteem. So you've got to be able to see it and feel it and believe it. If you don't believe that you could have the love of your life, you won't. If you don't believe you could change jobs, you won't. If you don't believe you can get the promotion, you probably won't. Like belief and intention are extremely powerful. So you've got to see it and believe it. Now, there are some areas that I would suggest, in addition to all my other suggestions, that you focus on. Number one, self-care. Well, look around in society. We have a lot of people who are not taking care of themselves. So start taking care of yourself and make it fun. Like, I take care of myself every day, and I'm not moaning about it. I'm enjoying it and, and, and like, really enjoying it. Number two, self-compassion. That's the process by which you grow and develop your muscles to ta and tame your inner critic. I have a whole podcast on self-care and self-compassion. That'll help you. But those are two areas that I would focus on because you're going to start feeling better right away. Now, start taking actions by setting goals, making plans, and growing your emotions to be a superpower. So the last suggestion I have is that you be, I'm going to be, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Like, we don't often bring that to life where people go, you know what, I want to, you know, change careers and I'm X years old and that's like impossible. So I give up. Now, you want to be the kind of person that you're going to do whatever it takes. If that means changing careers late in life, go do it. I mean, I actually know plenty of people who've, who've been doing that or have done that. You know, if it means finding the love of your life, go find them. If it means, you know, getting your life cleaned up and dealing with problems, then deal with your problems and get your life cleaned up. But be unreasonable and be unstoppable and don't give up till you get what you want. Because you can. And that might mean, by the way, you have to deal with your ego and your pride or shame and embarrassment or fears or what have you. So deal with it. All right. So for my takeaway takeaways, it's time for you to recognize that your imperfections are probably pretty obvious anyway. So there's no point in hiding them. You might as well embrace them. And number two, it's time to recognize that getting on a path of growth and development is going to help you feel amazing. It's going to help you be happier. And it's definitely going to help you with your imperfections. And my last takeaway is, gosh darn it, take people with you on this amazing trip. Like you're going to, you know, 
go on a trip. You don't go on a trip by yourself. Well, okay, some of us do because we're single, but, you know, take people with you and make it wildly fun because you can. So I hope you're going to get on the growth, the road of growth and development. I hope you're going to take people with you. And I would love it if you would share this podcast on social media because, quite frankly, you're in good company and lots of people could get value from this. That's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast. Episode number 71, Love Your Imperfections. I hope you're going to get on the road of growth and development so you can start embracing and loving your imperfections because it's so wonderful. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. And of course, I hope you're going to enter uh, my giveaway on my website at www www.lisalundy.com. I love you. Hang in there for now. You got this.